Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. What a humorous look at how our words can be very destructive. Don't you wish that every time you started to gossip, that music would start to remind you you need to be quiet? Um, the title of my message today is, uh, What Message Are You Sending? And I'm not going to ask you to share with me your most recent text message. I had some youth in the last service start to hide their, their cell phones. And, but, you know, besides messages that we send like that, we send messages all the time. And we don't realize what we're doing. We don't realize that we are. You know, as I counsel with boys and girls, and let me just say that I love my job. I have the best job in the world. Getting to to spend time with boys and girls and talk with them about Christ and about what he's done in my life and hear them and hear their stories of what they see God doing in their life and watch them as they grow in their spiritual walk. It's just an amazing time for me. And I love that I am a part of a church that sees the importance of children's ministry. But as I counsel with boys and girls, uh, I can't tell you how many times I hear them tell me about how they've been hurt by things that were said to them. And then sometimes I do hear of positive things, but more than positive, I hear about the negative. Not only girls and boys, but I hear from parents as well and adults in our church and friends of mine that have been hurt by things that people have said to them. And, you know, words are very powerful. They can be good or they can be bad. They can be used to, in the positive way or negative to build up or to tear down. They can be helpful, but they can also be very, very hurtful. Sometimes it depends on how we communicate our words, how, how we communicate with other people. Uh, our expression or our tone, it can also depend on how things are interpreted that we say. We might say it one way and mean one thing, but it be taken a different way. So we cannot be careless about our words and, how we, and what we say to other people. Our response when we hurt somebody's feelings might be, well, I didn't really mean to, or, or I spoke without thinking, or I was in a hurry, or I was worried, or I was really angry. or It really doesn't matter what the excuse is. Carelessly spoken words can be very hurtful to someone else. So we have to be very careful. You know, it's not only with our lips that we communicate or that we send messages. Sometimes it's with our eyes. And all you parents in the room are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. My boys surely do. When we're in public and they do something they know they're not supposed to do, I can give them a look. They know exactly what I mean. I had a a wife, uh, not my wife, but a wife, in the last service come up to me. She said, you must have been talking to me because just last night I gave my husband a look and didn't even realize I was doing it. And he came up to me and said, what did you mean by that? So we're communicating all the time. Sometimes it's our facial expression. Sometimes it's our smile. It's our frown. Sometimes our arms open wide let somebody know you're glad to see them. But then our arms folded sometimes might mean don't expect to get a hug from me today. A lot of times we communicate and we don't realize it. The way we dress may, be, may say I respect you. Uh, I'm proud of you. I honor you. Your very presence says something to some people sometimes, that you think enough of them to be there or to be around them at certain times in their lives. When you love somebody, you don't have to have words. You can give them a look and they know that you care for them, that you love them. On the other hand, when you don't care for somebody and you have your arms folded, they know when you ignore them, when you give them the silent treatment, you're upset with them. So many ways we communicate with other people. Sometimes we miss the opportunity, though, to communicate a word of encouragement. And we forget how powerful our words can be 
when people are going through hurt and going through times in their lives that they need to hear a word from the Lord. The truth is we're sending messages all the time. We wake up in the morning, we're sending messages to our family. We go to school, we're sending messages to our friends, to our teachers. Go to work, our employee or our employer or our coworkers. And we have to remember that the bottom line is that Christians have an awesome impact on someone's life when we use our words correctly and allow God to speak through us. And so today we're going to be looking at how, why Paul sent us a warning about our messages and what we say to others. If you'd like to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, of course, is a, is a letter written from Paul to the, book of, I mean, to the church of Ephesus. And he's writing this as a way to communicate to the people how he was while he was in prison, as well as to remind them to remain strong in their allegiance to Christ as, a, as the supreme power in the world and in their lives. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul talks about our relationship to Christ. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6, he talks about how to live the Christian life. And today we're going to be looking at that second half, beginning with uh, chapter 4, verse 17. And this chapter in Ephesians is about the unity in the body of Christ. And was written to Christians about how they were to live. I want you to listen particularly as Paul describes how our words or our messages should be perceived. Ephesians 4.17 So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Now listen to this next verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now this passage of scripture is so powerful and it hit on so many things that we as Christians need to remember. But today I want us to look at, the ver- at verse 29 which talks about how our speech should be or what our messages that we send to other people should be like. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now first of all this is not a suggestion. It doesn't say try your best to or or every once in a while don't. It says do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouth. Another translation describes unwholesome as unhealthy or corrupt. 
In Paul's original uh, manuscript, the, the Greek word was sapros, which means bad or rotten or putrid, which kind of gives us an idea of how this kind of speech is really viewed. You know, we think of an unhealthy word as, as a curse word, but that's not necessarily what he's talking about here. Any kind of speech that, is, uh, that does not edify, that does not build up another person, is not the kind of speech that God wants us to have. Like the video we saw, you know, even something as innocent as a prayer time can turn into a gossip time if we're not careful with our words. It's so easy when you're around people that you know and everybody knows everybody and you're talking and you're sharing and it turned into the wrong conversation. And I have to admit, I've been in those situations. And before you know it, you're there and it's hard to get out of without calling them out like she did. Sometimes unwholesome language, though, comes out of anger or various situations that you're in. Uh, this summer was very, very busy for my family. We, went, we had Bible school and then we had... Rock Ridge, then we had Centric Kid, and we were just running, running, running. And I couldn't wait until July the 12th, which was the day we were going on vacation. I was ready to go to the beach with my family, my three kids, and my wife. And then we had a friend that went with us. And you know, in your mind, vacation's going to be this ah moment where everything's great and it's relaxing and the sun's going to shine every day and your kids are going to be angels even though they're not at home. And you're going to have a wonderful time. Well, sometimes vacation doesn't turn out to be that way. Sometimes being confined in a smaller space with your kids and friends and spouse and the weather and different things, you may not be able to enjoy and relax like you want to. And sometimes we say things that we shouldn't say. So I had to really refer to the scripture a lot on vacation to remind myself not to say things that could be hurtful to my family because so many times our family gets the worst end of us. Sometimes we say things to our family that we'd never say to anybody else. So we should be very careful with what we say and how we speak to our family. And think about what the words we say is going to communicate to them. Secondly, Scripture says what we say should be good for edification. Which means that it should build up the person that we're talking to or talking about. Paul addresses this same topic in several other Scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26 it says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Colossians 3.16 says, Let Christ's word live in you like a rich treasure. Teach and correct each other wisely. And my favorite, Colossians 4.6 says, Let the words you speak always be full of grace, season them with salt, then you will know how to answer everyone. In this scripture, Paul was encouraging the, the Colossians to have a powerful and attractive testimony to the non-believers. The statement seasoned with salt was echoing what Jesus had said when he called the disciples the fishers of men. Um, this was a, he used this as a way of saying, speak to non-believers in a way that they would listen to you as you shared the gospel. You know, in children's ministry, we have to do uh, fun things. We don't have to. We just get to. And it's, it's great because they learn concepts or they learn things. And, and a lot of times, I think adults need those same things. So a few weeks ago, we studied, or a while back, we studied uh, what it means, the, the salt of the earth. And we talked about salt, and we had some popcorn. We had some that was salted and some that was not salted. And so we shared it, and of course the kids loved the salted popcorn. They ate that, and some of them ate the unsalted, but it wasn't the, the favorite. We also had some peanuts. We had salted peanuts and unsalted peanuts. 
the salted peanuts were gone real quick, and the unsalted ones they used as grenades as they threw them around the room to hit each other because nobody liked the unsalted peanuts. So we use that to understand that our words should be pleasing to others so they would listen to us when we're speaking to them so they would grow from what we have to say as we share the gospel with them or share with them and not tear them down. The next part of the verse, that it will bless or give grace to those who hear. Now, God is the source of all grace and all blessings, but we can be the catalyst through which he speaks. He can use us to speak to others to to share that blessing and to encourage, but we have to be very careful with what we say and how we say it. Let no, no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth except that is healthy, helpful, builds up, encourages, or passes on a blessing. Now, you and I know that many times in our lives, people have said things that have encouraged us. And we could probably go around this room and share, and every one of us could probably call out a name of somebody that they remember in their life sometime that has said something that stuck with them that they remembered. Some of them from years ago. I can remember somebody when I was in about the third or fourth grade sharing something with me, and I've carried that through my life. But on the other hand, we could probably also go around the room and talk about things that have been said to us that have hurt things that have stuck with us, that have made an impact on our life and, and shaped us and not in the positive way. In children's ministry, we do a lot of role-playing. We do things like that so we could teach the kids and, and teach them a concept. So this morning, humor me. I want you to just kind of listen as I talk about a few scenarios of things. And I want you to think about where you fall in these scenarios. The first example, I want you to think about this. Think about what the parent says, what the parent says and what the child hears or understands. A father is watching his favorite television show, and he's coming from work, got the TV on, he's got his favorite magazine out, and he's sitting there, and a, a five- or six-year-old son comes running in, Daddy, 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 I have... Before he can get anything else out, the dad stops him. Can't you see? I am watching my favorite show. I'm reading my magazine, and I, I never get to just sit here. Just, just go back to your room. Now, that's what the dad says. What does the child hear? The child hears, my dad's TV shows are more important than me. I'm not important to my dad right now. The person that I looked up the, to the most has just rejected me. And that child can live with that the rest of his life if it's a constant thing that happens. I'm not saying that every time your child comes to you calling your name that you should drop it all and go see what it is they want. But we should consider how we respond, what our response is and what words we say because those words can, can last a lifetime. What about this example? Uh, a, a girl uh, in high school comes into class and teacher sees her walking in and she says, Casey, come here, I need to talk to you. The day before they had taken a test and the teacher says, I graded your paper yesterday and you failed. I cannot believe you failed. We went over this in class. I gave you all the answer. I gave you time to study in class and you, you usually don't do this. I can't believe you did so poorly. I'm very disappointed. The teacher didn't know Casey had been up all night the night before the test in the hospital with grandmother. But she had not taken the time to find that out before she told her she was disappointed in her and fussed at her. She could have avoided that by investigating and finding out why did this happen. Sometimes we need to ask questions before we respond like that. What about this one? Uh, 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 John works in a factory and goes to work one day and his boss calls him in and says, John... I'm, uh, you, I'm just going to have to, uh, I'm sorry, but you're going to lose your job. We've had some cutbacks, and, well, we don't, um, you don't produce as much as the other guys on your shift, so I'm going to just have to let you go. John hears, I'm not as good as everybody else. I'm a failure. 
My skills are not good enough. Our words are very, very powerful. And how we choose to use them can have an have a impact on the lives of others for the positive or for the negative. Yeah, you might say, Philip, you don't understand. I work in a job where I have to assert my authority and I have to sometimes uh, let people know it and let them know what's going on or get a point across. Yes, sometimes we do have to get a point across, but we have to always remember that there's, there are ways to communicate without breaking down and tearing someone down. Everybody is somebody. God did not create an unimportant person so we as Christians have to lift them up. Every child needs to know growing up that they're loved, that they're belonged, but every adult needs to know that as well, that they're worth something, that they're worth loving, they're worth knowing, worth being part of a family or a church or a group. Now, our Almighty God knew that we were going to fail. He knew that we were not going to do what He wanted us to do in sharing our words or sending our messages to other people. So He gives us scriptures that help us to remember that he loves us, that he cares for us, that we are somebody. In Romans chapter 8, 14, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. That's us. That's those who have accepted Christ. The Spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies, our spirit, that we are God's children. So see, people who don't believe in Christ or people that live without Christ, they, belong to many, they may belong to many things, organizations, groups, or clubs, but until they belong to Christ, they will never feel whole. They will never have that sense of being uh, loved like they are by God. Romans 5, uh, verse 6 says, While we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would surely die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God says, You belong to me. God was willing to send his son to the cross to die for you and for me. Not because we deserved it, though. But because he loved us and he wanted us to experience his love. God desires that you and I have a sense of belonging to him. That we are somebody. But we live in a society where people's words are careless, that are destructive and hurtful. Parents, I want you to think about this. As you communicate to your children, I want you to remember, first of all, it isn't just what you say to them, but it's what you communicate to them. And secondly, remember that you being their power, you being their parent puts power behind your words. You are the father of the household or the mother of the household. You need to communicate to them what the Bible says, that a, that a child is a gift from God, that a child is a treasure from God. We need to be very sensitive to what we're communicating and, and ask, how can this be interpreted? We all need to remember that it's our responsibility to, uh, to lift others up, not to tear them down. That we should edify, that we should build up and encourage. And every single one of us can be an encourager. There's not one person in here who can't share a positive word to someone or encourage someone. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to bless them, but more than that, you're going to be blessed in return for having followed uh, uh, what God wants you to do. I'm going to challenge you today. I want you to think about what you communicate to your children, 
to your grandchildren, to your friends, and your coworkers. Because the messages that you send can last a lifetime. You may be sitting here this morning, you're thinking, I have messed up. I have, I've done exactly what he's talking about. I have said words to someone that I shouldn't have said. Go to that person. Apologize. Tell them that you were wrong in how you spoke. That will leave a lasting impression on them that will outlast the hurt that they had initially. They can use that to heal. You also may be sitting here this morning and you say, I know what you're talking about because I'm the one that's been hurt. I've been living with this, that, that I am no good, that I was not worth loving, that my parents didn't show me that love, that I never could uh, excel in my job, and I have just felt that I was not worthy. I want you to know God does not want you to live with that anymore. He loves you so much. He sees you as beautiful. He sees you as his creation. And he has a wonderful, awesome plan for your life. Let's pray. Father God, we just love you. We're so thankful for you. And God, forgive us where we fail you. When we don't use our words to lift others up. Forgive us when we use them to tear down. God, help us to keep our eyes opened to the opportunities that we have before us to encourage others, to lift them up, show them your love, God. God, I pray that as we go throughout our way this week, that you would open the door for us to be able to encourage others, to to send people in our lives that need a touch from you, God. And let us be sensitive to see those times, God. God, we pray that everything we do would lift you up, God, and would, would put a smile on your face. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.